Friends, Evelyn and Bobby's Women-Led Intimates Company creates beautiful, purposeful products to make women's lives better. They've created the best underwear ever, combining unique softness with smooth, flat seams that offer a fit so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing them. Evelyn and Bobby comes in three silhouettes and one size that fits many with four-way stretch that moves with you. I will tell you, I wear Evelyn and Bobby underwear and it is so comfortable, you really don't know that you have it on. Visit EvelynBobby.com. That's E-V-E-L-Y-N-B-O-B-B-I-E.com and use code MEG to get a free pair of underwear with any purchase. That's a $28 value only when you use the code MEG at EvelynBobby.com. Make birthday memories that will last a lifetime at Build-A-Bear Workshop. During their birthday month, kids get to count their candles before making their own birthday treat bear. The birthday treat bear is made just for birthdays and only costs as much as the age your child is celebrating. If your child's turning five, the birthday treat bear only costs $5. Visit buildabear.com to become a bonus club member for free and learn more about all the fun ways to celebrate birthdays at Build-A-Bear Workshop. For 30 plus years, I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 67, and I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. Today, we'll be talking about rediscovering your marriage in the midst of motherhood. Before we get into our show today, I would like to tell you about our guest, Becky Thompson, author of Love Unending, Rediscovering Your Marriage in the Midst of Motherhood. Becky Thompson is the author of Scissor Tale, S-I-L-K, a blog that draws a global audience of millions, speaking to the often overlooked struggle of balancing life as a mother, wife, and a daughter of God. Becky has a captivating way of becoming the voice for women in need of hope, healing, and the Father's love. Her blog grew dramatically in 2014 from an average monthly audience of a 1,000 to 1.5 million when she switched her message from fashion to hope. Becky became a work-at-home mom when her first son was born in 2009, shortly after becoming a sought-after and highly successful wedding and portrait photographer. A self-professed city girl, Becky is a recent transplant to Southern California, where she lives with her husband, Jerry, and their three young children. As always in this podcast, I'll share my points to ponder for you to start using right away. And parents, remember, don't just download episodes, click subscribe. When you do that, you're joining my parenting revolution, and every new episode will automatically show up in your subscribe list. You won't regret it. And we'd love for you to write us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think of the podcast. Also, not only are we on iTunes, but the Parenting Great Kids podcast is also available in the Google Play Store and on Stitcher. So no matter where you get your podcast, subscribe today and don't miss a single episode. Friends, do you get sick and tired of hearing your kids argue, of kids not listening to you? Or do you feel that sometimes life at home is out of control? I totally get it. As a mother of four and a grandmother of five, I can help. Check out my awesome new online course, Discipline with Courage and Kindness. It's on my website, and let's help bring more order, more fun back into your relationship with your kids. So friends, I want you now to listen in on a conversation I had with Becky Thompson. I know you're really going to enjoy it. Well, Becky Thompson, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here and to speak to your listeners. Well, you know, I love talking to busy moms uh, who are sort of feeling like my life is out of control. It's crazy. How am I doing this? But it's all so fun. Uh, and particularly moms like you who are still in the throes of having relatively young kids. And, um, you know, and I'm one of those older moms. My kids are grown and I have grandkids now. And I hear you talk about the ages of your kids and my heart goes, Oh, and yet I realize that you're going, oh, you know, and so it, everybody says it does go fast. It does. You are a very busy lady. You are an author. You are a mom. You have a podcast. You have a very busy uh, ministry website blog. You sort of, you give moms a lot of encouragement and a lot of inspiration. But specifically what I'd like to start off talking with um, is a little bit about your story and why you do what you do and how you got into this crazy life of writing and blogging and speaking to mothers. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to share that story. I think it's always important to not just see people, you know, where they are now, but hear their heart of how they got there. Yes. And um, and so for me, I ended up in my husband's small town in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And this was a surprise plot twist to my life because I anticipated marrying a pastor and traveling the world. That was oh. what I had envisioned. But I ended up... Um, helping run the family company. Uh, it was an oil field pipeline construction company. So helping my husband with his very busy job, um, really isolated from the life that I had had before we moved there. And I had two very small children. Where'd you grow up, Becky? I actually grew up in Oklahoma City, which is okay. not, you know, a huge metropolis, but it is a city. And I had a community there and I had people that I knew there and um, friends and other family. And so moving to this very small town in Northwest Oklahoma, which we always joke the NW in Northwest should just be nowhere, you know, it should stand for nowhere, <laughs> sure, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just, it was just a shock. It was a culture shock, but it, it felt very isolating. And motherhood can feel very isolating anyway. Yes. Yes. And so I was out there doing my thing, raising these kids, wondering secretly under the surface if I had married the wrong guy, <laughs> if I had, if I had ended up here on some plan B and had detoured from God's plan A for my life. I had all these underlying fears that I didn't want to ever give voice to because, you know, what did that say about my relationship with my husband or the Lord or my reality? Well, which, by the way, I think the majority of women in the first couple years have the sense, what have I done? But we don't mm -hmm. want to say anything. I did. Now, I vocalized it to my husband, and he was <laughs> like, you. okay, thank you very much. But, <laughs> you know, I got married in med school, and I ended up in a small mm -hmm. town living in a place I never thought I would live. But I, and I, so I want to encourage mothers and women out there who've been married for a couple years who are thinking, what in the world have I done? Hang on. There was a reason you married him. And there's a reason, mm -hmm. and, and it's so so don't just throw him away because you have these thoughts. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Becky, but I really wanted to affirm sure. this. A lot of the women out there, it's a pretty normal feeling. So go on, it's please. It's true. And, and the truth is, we don't talk about it. We all wonder no. if we've made these terrible life choices, and no one's you know no one's talking about that in the Sunday school classes or in the no. lobbies of churches no. or even to our closest girlfriends. You know, no. I've made the biggest mistake of my life, and I'm stuck. Right. And you know, the truth is, I think the enemy comes in with with that lie, and it's just a doubt. But the truth is, the Lord has positioned us exactly where we are for great purpose and great destiny, and we do hear his voice, and he does lead us kindly. So I was stuck in a season of not feeling like I had heard the voice of the Lord very clearly for my life, and um, not having a lot of counsel to speak into the truth that I had. And so I wondered if this was what my life was going to be, very unexpectedly turning out this way then I was just going to be the very best mom and the very best wife, and I was going to put my whole heart and soul into my family, which is an, an incredible mission, and it's an incredible ministry, but it really wasn't who I was underneath the surface of it all. Because mm -hmm. like you know, we aren't just intended to be the titles that we wear. We are first all daughters. And I was finding my identity in the roles that I had rather than my position as daughter mm -hmm. and trusting my good father. And so in the middle of all of this, 
um, I thought, you know what? I need, I need something just for me. I had put so much heart and soul into caring for these kids and caring for my husband that I felt really lost still. And I was still searching for that purpose and that identity. And so do you know what I did? <laughs> it's so What'd funny when I tell this story back. I, uh, I went shopping for myself, which there doesn't seem go. like a big deal. But when you have <laughs> yeah. two little kids, oh. don't let anyone ever tell you <laughs> that changing your clothes and oh. going shopping won't change your life because it did. It totally was the door that led to my destiny. <laughs> Retail therapy, I'm telling you, is is underrated. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It's so true. But what happened is I found this online boutique that sold clothes and it was really easy for me to shop there because they had fast free shipping. If you didn't like it, you could just return it. And I wasn't taking a three-year-old and a two-year-old to the mall with me. That would just end up terribly. So I ordered something. And then this boutique had this online contest. Post a picture of yourself wearing one of our outfits on Facebook. And then the most likes on that wins $100 worth of free clothes. Mm. So I contacted everybody that I knew and said, hey, here's a picture of me that I took in my bathroom when I put my kids outside the door and they were sticking their fingers underneath. Mommy, what are you doing? I'm taking a very important selfie, kids. And I did not win that contest. But I got a contact from um, a message from the woman who had the boutique, who owned the boutique, and she asked if I was a fashion blogger. And I kind of laughed because my life was so opposite of a person who tries on clothes and tells the world yeah. that this is what they need to wear because they're on trend. Yeah. And uh, when I realized she was serious, she said, well, it's too bad that you're not a fashion blogger because I would pay you to have an advertisement on your website and I would send you free clothes every month. <gasps> and I laughed and I said, did I say I wasn't a fashion blogger? Because what I, what I really meant was <laughs> I, I am. I don't know how I forgot. Yeah. So I started right. a fashion blog. I started a fashion blog that day and um and i i started telling women that if they put on these outfits they would feel better about themselves mm-hmm. and the the sad truth is that it wasn't working for me the clothes weren't helping they weren't getting to the underlying issues yeah. and as i began to write I sort of got to the root of my own heart issues and I realized that it wasn't ever going to be what I put on or who I took care of or what I did in my time during the day. It was going to be my relationship with the Lord that anchored it all. And if I didn't have that, um, the restored hope that God had good plans and good purposes and that he saw me even though I didn't see this coming, that I would never have hope in any other area of my life. Mm-hmm. So as I began to share that with uh, my readers, I just had this moment where I felt like the Lord said to me, Becky, I'm going to give you an audience and you're going to be responsible for them. And not knowing what was coming, I jokingly replied to the Lord in my heart, I will make sure that they are the best dressed audience, Jesus. I will. Mm-hmm. I will show them how to wear their clothes. But really, he brought women who were in the same place of life that I was in, and I was able to speak hope and encouragement. And what happened late one night is that I wrote an article and sent it out to my then 400 followers on Facebook. And the next morning I woke up and it had over 7,000 shares, Mm. which quickly progressed to 25,000 shares. And it was an article about how I'd forgotten how to be a wife when Mm. I was busy being a mom. And in that article, I just said, I wished that somebody had stopped me and said, before anything else, really, you're a daughter. But after that, you you became a wife and you loved this man. And there was a reason you chose him, just like you said. And um, and cling tightly to each other because your, your responsibilities are going to change. But the people underneath the responsibilities um, have always been there and they will always be there. And it, it went viral because I feel like it hit just this heart issue that mm-hmm. so many women feel that they don't know how to bring light to, which is when I become a mom, how do I find time to be a wife? You know, so let's back up if we can. You are fashion blogging and you're wearing beautiful clothes and you're encouraging other women to wear beautiful clothes. And you happen on an emptiness and realize, wait a minute, this isn't delivering what I thought it was going to deliver. There's more of me underneath here. Um, There's more than being Uh, a professional. There's more than being a Mm -hmm. blogger. There's more than uh, being a mom. There's more than being a wife. So, So what did you find underneath all of that that allowed you to go, this is what satisfies when clothes won't. And when I'm living in this tiny little town and I feel isolated, and I'm trying to fill up my life with something that is satisfying, but it's not working. 
What did you find worked? You know, I felt, I feel like the Lord, if I could speak into this, just began gently calling my heart back to original dreams, which is that he invited me back into an intimacy with him. And that happened when I, I don't know, I guess it's kind of like when you have a small child and you watch them realize that the puzzle piece won't fit there. And there's a frustration that comes when they're trying to put that puzzle piece in that place and it's not working. And as the parent, you can see that they need to twist it just a little bit and they'll get it, but you know there'll be a greater satisfaction if they try it and they can figure out what fits. And you know, the Lord is always that answer for us. Mm -hmm. We put a million other things in, in place of that relationship, but at the end of the day, the the Lord is what what fills our hearts. Mm-hmm. And for me, because I had this foundation of great faith, and because I had wonderful mentors, and because I knew exactly who God was to me, and who He revealed Himself to be in His Word, I recognized myself as turning puzzle pieces that weren't designed to be in that position. Mm-hmm. And so if I, if I have to be honest and say what worked, it was just the revelation of, this is not working. Does that make right. sense? It was almost or, as if yeah. to say, yeah, you know, it wasn't It wasn't that I had this grand moment of, wow, I need Jesus. Instead, it was, why am I doing this? What's yeah. the real, you know, why is this not fulfilling? And then the Lord just kindly leading, like he leads all of us and saying, will you come away with me? Will you spend right. more time in my word? Will you Will you listen to me throughout the day? I want to be present with you. Mm-hmm. And um, I began to slowly recognize these lies that I had I had believed. And um, I don't know if I wrote them down. I can't think of a place where I would have put them other than the blog itself. But just to address the, the areas of my heart where I believed that I had married the wrong man. I believed that God had forgotten about me. Because I believed I had married the wrong man and ended up in a life that I hadn't chosen, um, that I couldn't hear God clearly. Because you know, if I could have he- heard him, then he would have led me a different way. And I, I believed that now I was all on my own and mm-hmm. now it was up to me. And, you know, my, the lies that I believed, I don't believe are far from the lies that many women believe and oh, maybe even boy. all the way back to Eve. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't, don't we all and the lies we constantly tell ourselves every day. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, one of the points that I'm hearing from your story, I wanted to drive home because there are many women who are feeling exactly how you felt um, when you felt you'd married the wrong man. You're living in a tiny Mm -hmm. town you never signed up for, and you're feeling kind of miserable. So you start reaching and running, and you start trying to slam puzzle pieces in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all sort of been there, done that. We're trying to fill our time with things that we feel will be fulfilling, Um, Because Mm -hmm. sometimes we feel empty in our marriages, empty in parenting, we're just exhausted, we're lonely. And I think in those moments, because you're absolutely right, every woman is created to be bigger than the jobs we perform, and that includes being a mom, and being Mm -hmm. a doctor, and being a writer, and being a wife. Mm -hmm. It is about first connecting with our first love which is God and I will I will tell you we only learn that after we've been running and slamming puzzle pieces Um, because it doesn't come easily it comes through the frustration it comes through the because it has to be a choice you know God isn't one Mm -hmm. who, who who forces his way into our lives he waits until we go okay okay, okay, you know, doing Mm -hmm. this is not delivering and doing this isn't delivering. And I'll never forget one of our daughters when she was in her mid-20s decided that God had called her to go uh, as a teacher work in Indonesia for a year and a half. And I had believed and her dad had believed and she had believed up until that point that she was going to, to go to South America. And we were fine with that because we'd been to South America. My husband had done missions, yada, yada. But Indonesia, uh-uh. So I said to her, well, God needs to talk to the mom first. And she said, well, I prayed about it, mom. I go, well, God hasn't talked to me yet. So anyway, she went. And I'll never forget, it was extremely hard for her, but she loved it after the first three or four months. And she, again, was sort of, she didn't have children, she wasn't married. It's like, okay, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? This, 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 this. And when she came home, I said to her in the first 24 hours, tell me one thing, the most important thing you learned in living as far away from home as you can possibly be. And Mm -hmm. she said, mom... 
I learned that God is enough. Wow. And that when we run and we jam puzzle pieces and we go, I've got to try this, I've got to be this, Mm -hmm. I need to get this education, I need this many children, God Mm -hmm. just waits until we slow down and go, okay, but first, Becky, first, Mm -hmm. Charlotte, my daughter, first, Meg, you're with me. And then the beginning of a life and the end of life, I'm who you have. And everything else that's good comes out of that relationship. So I'm so grateful that you learned that when you were trying to sell clothes. So after that, you started to say, okay, um, I'm learning these deeper things about myself. And I'm learning to sort of say, okay, God, you take the reins here because because selling clothes isn't working and oh my gosh I just wrote this thing and I touched a nerve with a lot of women tell me what you began to learn about life from that point on you started talking about marriage exactly and so you know about I would say about a month right about a month before I wrote the blog post that went viral that we would call it, as we would call it. Um, I just felt like the Lord had asked me, and I feel like this is an important part of the story to share, asked me, so what do you want your heart to be known for? Do you want your heart to be known for telling women, put this on, you'll feel better about yourself? Or do you want to tell women, you know, I am all that you need? And so pointing back to your story of God being enough, I thought, well, I... I, I know the answer, but do I have to get rid of all the free clothes? <laughs> and yeah. so I did. I took down all the advertisements and I knew what my heart wanted to say and I knew what I had always wanted, you know, to do with my life. I had always wanted to be the one that pointed to Jesus and I just, I needed that six months of remembering that he was what fulfilled my heart so he would be enough for everyone else. And so I took down all of the advertisements. I contacted all of the sponsors because I had grown quite a bit in that short time and after I was faithful to do that and really set my heart and determine my heart and, and steady that course of I will bring hope to the women who are where I am and where I have been, that's when I wrote the blog post about um, that I called Two Wives Before You Were Mommy about how I'd forgotten how to be a wife and how sometimes husbands forget how to be a father. And I wrote this post, very simple, put it up, had immediate traction, and I began to receive messages from women literally all across the globe. I have a friend from Singapore who said, "Uh, a friend of mine back home in Singapore is sharing your article that's been translated. And I Mm. think this is a universal message. And so I received these messages from women saying, this is great. I wish someone had told us how to be a wife when we were busy being a mom. I wish someone had told us the importance of clinging to our spouse and to the Lord before we jumped into this deep, deep end pool of motherhood. And uh, they said, so what's what's the answer, Becky? <laughs> Dr. Right. Meg, I thought, I, I don't know. I said it was a problem. I said I wish someone had helped <laughs> So you me. identified a problem and said, okay, help. We need the solution here. Okay. We need the solution. Yeah. But I didn't have one. And so um, it was so interesting because publishing houses apparently noticed the traction on the blog and the how many women were responding to it. And they said, well, we would love to publish the answer. So if you have the answer, we will publish the answer. Mm. And I thought, I, I still don't have the answer. Yeah. And so this is what I love, how God you know, just weaves our stories together. Late one night, I was very pregnant with my, ve- with my third baby. And because we lived in the middle of nowhere, I had moved in with my parents, with my other mm-hmm. two children, while my husband mm-hmm. stayed home and, and worked. And uh, that way I could be closer to the hospital when I went into labor. So that mm-hmm. last month I was staying with my folks. And my mom was putting my two older children to bed. Is and this I was at the sitting- beginning of Love Unending? This is at the beginning of the Oh, ending. I love the story. I was going to ask you to tell this story. So there we go. Pay attention, listeners. In. Okay, tell the story, Becky. So my mom is putting my kids to bed, and I'm sitting in my living, my parents' living room with my dad, which is not an unfamiliar scene. Um, you know, not not maybe not the part about putting my kids to my mom putting my kids right. to bed, but I've had many conversations where I've just sat with my dad and talked, and it's just been a joy of my life to have the privilege of that sort of relationship. But I looked at my dad and and he knew what was being asked of me. He knew that people were asking for this answer. And, you know, almost like the Lord, I feel like he sat back waiting for me to ask him, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I just said, Dad, what is the answer? What do I do? How do I, 
you know, how do we find our way back to that first love that we had before kids and jobs and responsibilities stole us away from each other? What do I do with Jared, my husband? What do all these women do with their husbands? Help. And my dad sort of smiled. And I'm not sure why I didn't think to ask him before, Dr. Meg, because he um, he's always loved my mom with this fresh sort of love as mm-hmm. if, you know, it was the beginning every day. I've never heard him speak down to her. I've never mm-hmm. heard him, you know, it was kind of frustrating when I was in high school because he always took her side and I would right. think, dad, you know, I'm right. But yeah. he never, you know, he never yeah. changed sides. He was always her biggest advocate and right. just so kind and loving. And I feel like it's important to paint that picture of him because when I was sitting there, I knew that I could trust whatever he was about to say. And I said, Dad, what do I what do I say to them? And I'll never forget, it was late at night. The only light was coming from over his shoulder, this lamp in this big wing back chair that he sat in. It looked like a movie. He looks mm-hmm. over his shoulder to see if my mom is in earshot because he's gonna tell me this family secret. I'm thinking, right before my dad tells me this great advice, I'm thinking, what kind of secret have you been keeping for the last right. 12 years of my marriage? I feel like you could have at least told me this would have been, you know, sage advice on my wedding day to say, honey, do this. But no, here we are in the middle of Oklahoma on an August night. And he says, Becky, tell them to do what I do. Every morning I wake up and I tell myself that it's the first day I'm married to your mom. And I have done that for nearly 40 years. Mm-hmm. And it took me a really long time I before I said anything to him. And at first I thought, oh, right, dad, like anybody could ever do that. Like, do you, do you know how hard that would be? Like, do, mm-hmm. do you understand how much work? You know, we, my husband and I at this point had, um, 11 years now, t- nearly 10 years of, of distance, you know, of mm-hmm. small steps and, and a slight angle away from each other, you know, and, and how are we ever going to get back to treating each other like that? I don't even remember what that was like. Mm-hmm. But as I sat there m- working through these emotions and, um, I realized what that would really look like. You know, if if each yeah. morning I woke up and I told myself that there wasn't a list of yesterdays yeah. and past hurts and offenses and, well, you didn't change the diaper in the last, like, five times, so it's clearly your time and I'm totally resenting the fact that you're not just doing it. You yeah. know, it would change how I talked to him, how I touched him, how I interacted with him. Everything. If I could get back to day one. Exactly. It, everything. Yeah. And you know what, Becky? I think that... That's such a beautiful lesson. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to to, to read his full response. You, you, you gave us the mm-hmm. most important, but what he said to you that day was so profound. Yes. It is really, and I've been married 38 years, and my husband wow. sounds like he's very much like your dad. I don't think my husband ever put me down in front of our kids, always treated me respectfully and always sided with me when our kids were acting up, even if I was wrong, you know. But 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 we as women can do to our spouses exactly what your dad did. And mm-hmm. if it's okay, I'll read. He said, Becky, if I wake yes. up every wake up and tell myself that it's the day I married your mom, it changes everything. She is just my bride. She's the woman I fell for and she doesn't have to prove a thing to earn my love. It's a new start every day. There isn't a yesterday full of hurt or offense. There isn't a need for forgiveness. There isn't anything I need to overlook. There isn't a list I'm counting against her. There isn't a chance for space to separate us or for us to feel as if we are an old married couple. It's just new love every day. And I love that because that is something every single woman can listen to and say, tomorrow morning... I'm going to pretend that this man, this is the first day of my marriage, he didn't just yell yesterday, he didn't just forget to come home on time, he didn't just forget my birthday, today I'm going to start fresh, because that allows us as women to look at our husbands differently, but most important to begin to take those small steps Mm, of treating them well. And I'll tell you a secret about men. They are so easy to please. I mean, (laughs) all you have to do 
is throw them <laughs> a bone here and there or just do some nice things, some very simple things like when they come into the room at the end of the day, get up out of your chair and walk over to them and say, hey, how are you? I'm glad to see you. Exactly. It will just take their breath away. Or <laughs> it's surprising. Say, you know what? <laughs> yeah. My husband loves smelt. I can't stand smelt. But our, our fishery the other day had it, and they hadn't had it in over a year. And I was very excited. And he walked in and I said, I have a surprise for you today. And I think he maybe thought I might bought him a new bike or whatever. (laughs) But I said, I made you smelt. And, you know, it just made him feel so good. So I think that so many times, if we just turn our behavior a little bit, turn Mm -hmm. our speech, turn our thoughts a little bit, it brings a freshness to our marriage that most men are so receptive to because another secret I've learned about husbands is this. If we feel bad about ourselves as wives, they Mm -hmm. feel worse about themselves as husbands. Wow. In general, a -hmm. man's self-esteem is very low, but you'll never know it because they don't talk about it and they don't want to show Mm -hmm. it. So when we, who who they chose to, begin to treat them respectfully, their Mm -hmm. self-esteem jumps up two notches and they, in turn, start to show respect and love back to us. That's so true. That's so true. Parents, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Becky Thompson. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of my conversation with Becky Thompson. Using millions of real women's measurements, Third Love designs its bras with breast size and shape in mind for an impeccable fit and incredible feel. With cups from A through H and bands up to 48, Third Love offers double the number of sizes that most other brands offer. Plus, Their bras feature tagless labels, meaning no itching, straps that won't slip, lightweight, super thin memory foam cups, and ultra soft smoothing fabrics. Check out the new cotton collection, which was created as a result of customer requests for especially soft, breathable bras and underwear you'll want to wear every day. And remember, if for some reason you don't love their product, returns and exchanges are free and they're easy. Friends, I wear Third Love and you really can't tell that you're wearing a bra at all. No itch, no straps that dig into your skin and they stay in place. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash Meg now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. Friends, you won't regret it. I promise. That's thirdlove.com slash Meg for 15% off today. Parents, when you're putting in time at the gym, who has time to spend hours in the kitchen? Now you can fuel your workouts and nourish your body with easy-to-prepare meal kit delivery from Sunbasket. Sunbasket makes it easy and convenient to cook healthy, delicious meals at home, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. There are 18 weekly recipes to pick from with options for paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, vegan, diabetes-friendly, and more. And you can mix and match depending on your personal nutritional needs. Sunbasket ships fresh, organic produce and responsibly raised meats and seafood directly to your door. Plus, each meal is ready to whip up in as little as 15 minutes. The best part? Sunbasket is delivered with pre-portioned ingredients and clear nutrition nutrition information so you never have to think about eating healthy. You can just do it. Friends, you who've been listening just a little bit on my podcast know I love Sunbasket. I have a crazy busy life. I'm on the road a lot and I order Sunbasket because I like good healthy food and 
I don't like grocery shopping, but I love to cook. And when Sunbasket comes, I can make any meal in under 30 minutes. Plus, I love the spices they use. Tonight, I'm going to cook Sicilian salmon and tomorrow night, stuffed green peppers using lean, fresh ground turkey. I'm telling you, try Sunbasket. You won't regret it, particularly if you're a busy mom, dad, or work outside the home. Go to sunbasket.com slash Meg today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash Meg to get $35 off your order today. Sunbasket.com slash Meg. Go there. I promise. Try it. You'll be hooked. So talk to us more about what what prompted you to write Love Unending, which was, okay, I'm going to start helping women now figure out how to be a wife after motherhood and why it's so important for women to rediscover being a wife after they become moms. You know, I think first to address why it's so important, it's because, you know, long after the children are gone, there's just going to be two people sitting in the house looking at each other. And we want to make sure that they aren't just still in love, but they know each other and that they've been investing into each other's lives while while raising these children. Um, that before there were kids, there was a marriage. And after there our kids um, in the home, it's important that there's still a marriage. And I have personal friends who have walked this road and who have not ended this road um, the same way that my parents are ending this story. I don't feel mm-hmm. like I put that the right way. I want to clarify. My parents aren't ending their story. I'm just saying that they aren't in the same place in the same right. season of life. Right. Where my parents are continuing on in marriage, you know, they're, they're strangers. These other people are strangers. And I really think it's important that if we can meet these needs in the early years and address these heart issues in the early years, then we have more of a chance of, of having a relationship like my parents and like, and like yourself and your husband um, when 38 years of marriage comes around. And so that's my heart, is steering here in the beginning. But when I was sitting there in my parents' living room, thinking to myself, how do I do this? Because yes, you've been doing this since the beginning, Dad, but I've got 10 years. How am I going to get back to day one? I don't even remember what that looked like. I realized that there needed to be a practical strategy um, with very simple steps because I still had two very small kids and a newborn on the way. So I had to have a bite-sized approach for women in the thick of everything else, in the middle of everything else, taking on one attribute of being a great wife every day. And so I started making a list. I made a list and I ended up with 21 things that I did in the beginning that I no longer did today. And I think it's so funny because these aren't you know, when we, it's funny because when we look at these and, you know, what's the secret? What do we do? It's all the stuff we did, did before. So it's nothing new. I'm not introducing any new idea. I'm just mm-hmm. reminding, you know, the readers of this book exactly who they once were. And so mm-hmm. really it starts with, like you said, um, when my husband came home from work, because we had um, that sort of family structure, I was at home with the kids and he went out to work. But I know that's not the case for every family. You know, often the wife works and the husband stays at home. But for the purpose of my story, that was our situation. When when we came back together and when he walked in the door, I made a point to stop what I was doing, you know, carry the baby, finish up the diaper if I had to, carry the baby to the door and just hug him and welcome him back into our home without handing him response the second he walked in the door. Because in that season of life, I was waving my white flag before he even turned onto our street, you know? I was thinking, okay, five more minutes and I can make it, I can make it, I can make it. And then he'd walk in the door and I'd be like, here, I just need a breath. But, you know, he's been living his day apart from the home and while I was in it, it really got to the point, Dr. Meg, where I didn't see any of his exhaustion and he didn't see any of mine and neither of our needs were really being met. And so, Giving him space to come in the door and breathe as he transitioned from work to home without putting all these additional responsibilities on him and saying, okay, you got to run, you know, run alongside me. It's a marathon now, uh, dinner, baths, bedtime. Um, it was, it was giving him a space and seeing him as, as the man I fell in love with rather than just the help coming to rescue me. 
Right. And um, and so that that put the focus back on our relationship rather than just um, what he could do to help me in that time. Another simple thing that I did was just how I spoke to him. You know, in the very beginning, I think it wasn't just what I said, but the tone of my mm-hmm. my requests. You know, I'm giving my daughter a bath and I'm shouting at him, get up off the couch. I need a towel. If you bring it to me, then I can get her out of the bath and I can go to bed because I'm exhausted too, you know? Right. Whereas yeah. in the beginning, I might say, you know, we didn't have children before before we got married, but I might have said, "Hey, when you get a minute, will you bring me that? When you yeah. when you get a second, I know you're tired. If will you will you help me with that?" And so, I think the tone of our hearts conveys a lot more than just the words that we say. And I think when we've been dealing with small kids, it's easy for that same tone to spill over onto our spouse. You know, and I think that to many women who are listening um, who go, well, well, that's a really great idea, but here's the deal. My husband isn't around. I have a lot of anger towards my husband. I'm very disappointed in my husband. We've grown very far apart. We're very estranged. I'm very frustrated with him. And I think that as people listen, you know, we start to, all these feelings towards husbands start to bubble up to the surface because the truth of the matter is, Parenting children together is extremely hard. That's true. You know, my husband and I have worked in a medical practice for many years, and people go, how do you do that? I say, you know, working together is easy. Let me tell you what's hard is parenting kids (laughs) together because we don't always agree. And the truth of the matter is, when it comes to parenting, like anything in life, usually one person you know, carries the lion's share of the work. It's just mm-hmm. kind of life. You you don't mean to, yeah. but it's kind of the way it goes. So you d- develop an animosity. And I think that when we're frustrated, because it's the person that we're closest to, our expectations are highest of, we dump mm-hmm. all of that onto our spouse. Women do it mm-hmm. to men, men do it to women. But I think the most important thing about what you write, because your 21 steps that you write about in Love on Ending are, are so practical. And I can just see people picking this book up going, yeah, but you don't understand. I really don't feel like doing that. What well, doesn't right. matter what you feel like. You know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I know you're mad. I know you're frustrated. I know you're ready to string this guy up. But try a handful of these things because when you change your behavior, you change the way you think. And you change Mm -hmm. the way you think, you change the way you feel. And there's so many women at 10 years of marriage, 15 years of marriage, they're they're just ready to throw in the towel. And Mm -hmm. my encouragement would be don't. You know, hold on, because even if you don't do any of these 21 things you suggest in your book, Becky, Mm -hmm. life changes. It beats you up something. Even if you wanted to stay in the frustration of your marriage or the anger, whatever, and keep it just the same it is today, it won't stay that way. It's either going to get better, it's going to get worse. And with a little bit of help, it can get a whole lot better. And And I think you know, as one who's sort of lived through on the other side, because there are years I'm thinking, I just can't do this anymore. This guy's just not around. He's just all into his work, and he's not interested in helping me parent. And he's, you know, when we do this, if you would only, if you would only, and, and rather than sort of the if you would only statements go, okay, but what can I do? What can exactly. I do as a wife? And so you say, greet lovingly, touch him purposefully, listen mm-hmm. intently, forgive immediately, serve joyfully, fight fairly, honor consistently. Those are the kinds of things that, you know what, even if you don't feel like, give it a whirl. Because Mm -hmm. men respond, because men crave intimacy, they Mm -hmm. crave respect. You know, they want you back. In general, 90% of husbands want a good relationship back. But the reality is, in most marriages, my experience, I haven't read this anywhere, this is my experience because I've listened to thousands of people talk about their marriages, it's the woman who has to initiate the healing. Mm, wow. and, 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 but, but here's the cool thing, we're really good at that. 
And so we can do that. And so, you know, talk about women feeling empowered in their lives, empowered in their marriages. Becky, our time is gone. This has just been wonderful. How can people, aside from reading your fabulous book, Love Unending, (laughs) Rediscovering Your Marriage in the Midst of Motherhood, which many women will go, that's impossible. It isn't impossible. It really isn't impossible. How can people read about you, find you, and read about all the wonderful encouragement that you're giving to women and to mothers? Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I would love to connect. So you can you can find me at beckythompson.com. And then on we have a Facebook community. You can search Becky Thompson or over on Instagram as well. And so that's under my old handle when I first started that blog. And so the name is actually Scissor Tail Silk. And um, that's a story for a different day. But the best place to locate me would be at beckythompson.com. And that'll link you to all of the other ways to connect. Dr. Meg, thank you so much for having me today. It really has been an honor to share my heart and have a chance to speak with you. Well, thank you. And God bless, Becky. God bless. Points to ponder. One, making time, even small amounts at first, for your marriage helps you and your children. You know, often we moms focus on the needs of our children after they're born, and this is completely natural. You know, their needs as infants are great and time-intensive and exhausting. But as our kids grow older, it's really important that we intentionally take time to focus on our spouse and our marriage. The reasons for this are important. First, parents with healthier marriages are happier Their kids are happier and the couple works together more to create a solid home. Two, time with your spouse doesn't have to be long or elaborate. You know, sometimes the smallest and seemingly insignificant things that we do with our spouses draw us close together. A walk, spending time reading, just spending time watching a television program, riding a bike, going out to dinner, working in the yard together, going to a movie, out for breakfast, or even a bike ride make an enormous difference in our ability to connect with our spouses. And the most important thing is to make the time that you spend with your spouse as stress-free as possible. Make time where you're not talking about work, you're not talking about your conflicts, and you're not talking about money. This time is to be stress-free. Three, make two types of time available for one another. A time to work through issues and a time to have fun. You know, if we only use our time together through work, through troubles and issues, and this is really important, the times can be stressful and we'll stop doing them. And this can actually work against us. So sit down with your calendar and make sure that you set aside times to work through issues, trouble, kid problems, money, how you run your household, chores, things that are really grating on you with your spouse, and and talk about things and work them through. Then, when you're done, close them. Leave them behind. And if it takes a few days to leave them behind, that's okay. And then, schedule small bits of time where you and your spouse can just have fun so that both of you enjoy one another's company Figure out why you got married in the first place, and this will allow you to see that your spouse can actually be fun. All right, parents, time to get social. I want to hear from you and interact with you. You can connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have a question, send it to askmeg at megmeekermd.com. Askmeg at megmeekermd.com. Today, we have a question from Barry and Jane. Hello, Dr. Meg. I'm up at a stupid time of 3 a.m. in Australia. And I have a question. My wife and I have grandchildren age 7 and 11. How do we control or manage electronic zombies? We only see them once a week as they are from a split family. We can't get any sense out of them before or after school on our devices. Do we just hide them and ban them? Fortnite and YouTube are the culprits. 
Any ideas are appreciated. Well, Barry and Jen, you are right to want your grandchildren to stay off screens when they're with you. First, it's very important they spend quality time with grandparents. After all, how can you share your wisdom if they won't pay attention? And you know, we do have a lot of wisdom as grandparents. We've been through this. You know, after raising our kids, we've been through it for at least 18 years. Second, it's important because being on screens this much is just plain bad for your grandkids. I'm a grandmother with similar issues, and this is what I do. When grandkids come over, set clear times when they can and cannot be on screens. That's your right as grandparents when kids are in your home. I would say none before school, and they get one hour after school excluding homework. When they do their homework on computers, they need to do it in a common area because if you're around, they're less likely to get on social media or play games. When they're at your house during a time when screens are off limits, have a place they put them. Put them high on a shelf. Put them in a cupboard or a closet that are out of their way. Make it an inconvenient place and have all the kids put them in the same place. Now, listen, at first, they're going to complain and squawk. So be ready to take them out and do something fun after the screens are put away. Plan something ahead of time. I promise if you do this several times, the kids will start to realize that they can have fun without being on a screen. It may take a while because if they're like many kids, they may actually be addicted to their screens. But I encourage you hang in there. Quality time with them is worth fighting for. Remember, they won't understand at first why you're taking screens away, and that's okay. I promise when they're grown, they will thank you for fighting with them. Parents, you know I love answering your questions, so please keep sending them. You can email me any parenting question to ask Meg at megmeekermd.com. Again, ask Meg at megmeekermd.com. I want to thank my guest, Becky Thompson. Check out her website at beckythompson.com. Once again, that's beckythompson.com. And check out all the wonderful books that are listed on our website. Let's recap my points to ponder. One, make time for your marriage because it helps you and your children. Two, time with your spouse doesn't have to be long or elaborate. And three, remember, make two types of time available for one another. So until next time, parents, always remember that great kids are raised not born. Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to episode 67, Motherhood and Marriage. And thanks to you, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over 2 million downloads. You can like Dr. Meeker on Facebook and follow her on Twitter and Instagram at MegMeekerMD. As a reminder, go to MegMeekerMD.com and sign up for her newsletter for giveaway opportunities and updates. And don't forget to share the podcast, write us a review, and click subscribe so you won't miss an episode. 